Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. And welcome back to Outnumbered the Podcast. We are talking about pets this time because what what child has not begged for a pet? I mean, really, right? So <laughs> this was a listener request that we would talk about all about kids and animals and pets and what to do and everything we're going to get into this episode. So we're going to share our experience on pets and kids. Yeah. Um, we both have a lot of children and we've both had an experience with a lot of animals, but I'll just start out by saying that I am not the best pet owner. I have been trying and we're going to share a lot about what we've been learning over the years of being pet owners, especially with children around little children. Um, but I did want to share with a I've got a funny little pet story. So when we lived in our old house, my second son is the animal lover. Like he's obsessed with animals. He already has a running list of all the animals he's going to get as pets when he moves out, including a sloth, a ferret, uh, like the most random animals, right? I'm like, you do you, buddy. You move out, you can have whatever you want. (laughs) And, uh, but in the last house, he convinced us to um, get a snake. And I was fine with that because I mean, snakes are kind of gross, but they're not one of those things that terrify me. Like there would never, ever, ever be any sort of pet spider in my home, but a snake I could deal with. Okay, let's do it. So we did this cute little pet snake and it was fascinating. We learned so much about it and he had it in this cage and he learned how to feed it, which was gross. I won't get into that part. But um, (laughs) anyway, one day he forgot to put the lid on very securely. (laughs) As you Mm -hmm. can imagine, that snake disappeared. And then I had a little bit more of a problem with it. (laughs) I didn't know where it was. (laughs) And so for probably six months straight, every dark corner of my home, I was like, expecting a snake to jump out at me. I'm just, I'm like lifting up every pillow very gingerly. It was not a fun time in my household. I had this little understairs closet in our basement because he lived in the basement. Understairs closet in the basement where I had all my fabric and sewing supplies. And I'm like, I can't even sew in peace because if I walk back there, I I just knew it was going to be hiding in a corner of my fabric in that little closet. Anyway, uh, long story short, that snake never reappeared. He somehow made it outside because even after we moved, there was no sign of him anywhere. So he somehow made it outside and is living happily in the desert. <laughs> that was, it was a bit of a stressful moment for this pet owner mom. <laughs> mm, wow. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to talk um, at the end of the podcast about farm animals because that's what we have tons of experience with, um, different kinds of animals. But this one, you know, like the request of specific was specifically like for pets. So I don't have as much experience either with pets, just a little bit. So um, Bonnie and I both kind of feel like under under experience to do this episode super much. But then we got talking about it and we both realized, oh, uh, well, actually, we have had quite a few pets among all our kids. So we are going to go ahead and give it a stab here. Um, we did look up some of the benefits of having a pet. We Googled it and read um, some several articles. And so we're going to share those, what the great Google says first about the benefits of having pets. And then we'll share like the things that we've noticed personally in our families and our kids about uh, having pets. So according to Google, 
the benefits of having pets are for kids, specifically for kids, is that they learn valuable life lessons like responsibility, trust, compassion, respect, and patience, loyalty, social skills, motivation, empathy. They have higher self-esteem. Um, it's a source of comfort and companionship. It helps with learning, actually, and decreases allergies. I found this one fascinating because you hear about kids that are allergic to like cats or things, but they said this article was um, showing that if kids under the age of one year are around pets, often like in the house pets, they actually grow up with fewer allergies. I was fascinated by that. Um, They can, yeah. So pets can be a safe recipient of secrets and private thoughts. Children often talk to their pets like they do stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. Um, Pets provide lessons about life, including reproduction, birth, illness, accidents, death, bereavement, all that. Um, Pets can help develop responsible behavior in kids who care for them. They provide a connection to nature. Um, You know, around here, we're big on that. Go listen to our episode about the importance of outdoor time. And um, they can teach respect for other living things. Yeah, so many great benefits. And I've got another list as well. Um, The first one is that they create um, an opportunity for kids to have their physical and emotional needs fulfilled by pet ownership. So, you know, running and jumping and playing with the pet and then also an emotional connection. Um, it keeps families talking about something, right? It unifies them. Oh, the cute puppy, right? Um, like I mentioned, physical activity, uh, there's some sort of comfort, especially in a time of um, emotional turmoil or stress. A child will often turn to a pet before another human. Um, love, loyalty, affection. Um, the experience of losing a pet is very, very valuable to a child, even though it is heartbreaking to watch as a parent. Um, it is a very, very valuable experience for them to learn about loss with a pet that is a little bit less um, stressful than like losing a human in their life, right? Uh, it encourages a healthy lifestyle. It lowers their blood pressure, reduces loneliness, and it is just a lot of fun. And I will say that um, I think many of the benefits of having a baby in the family can also be sort of reproduced with a pet. So if you're out of the baby stage, but you want your younger children to have the opportunity of caring for something and um, enjoying something small and learning, you know, all, all those benefits of watching a little human baby grow up, some of them can re- be replicated with a, with a pet as well. Oh, definitely. Transfer that need to snuggle something to a pet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, something cute and little. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So personally, we've noticed um, some benefits of having a pet is definitely that responsibility that pet needs care morning and evening or, you know, several times a day, a walk, teaching responsibility, uh, that cycle of life that we're talking about, that is a huge one with pets. Um, We have used pets in our... um, in our homeschool. So if we're studying about flying creatures, we've gotten birds and had them right there to watch and look at. If we're studying swimming creatures, fish, a tank full of fish. And the kids learn that and actually get to just, you know, instead of hearing about fish scales, they can have their eyes glued on that tank and be looking at fish scales while you're teaching about it. Um, Some kids connect with animals easier and better than people. That is definitely something we've noticed in our kids. Like they are kind of afraid to, I I know maybe it's because animals can't talk. So the kids kind of feel like they're on their side. (laughs) (laughs) And so they definitely, there's some kids that connect with animals. And then the outdoor time that we talked about and the exercise. So those are some really amazing benefits that we personally have noticed about having pets. 
Yeah, in our family, we have also seen that the that they learn to love and care for a living thing. Um, that's a lot easier to do than than a human. It's almost practice for being a parent or a really great big sibling, right? Um, and then I have noticed that um, pets can bring to a child some of the same great benefits that having a friend can, right? So if you have a child who's a little bit on the lonely side or a little bit socially awkward and has a really hard time making friends, sometimes a pet can can offer some of that um, emotional buoyancy that they might not get from from friends. Yeah. And another thing um, that, I, that was mentioned in one of these Google articles was that um, a pet can be kind of like an icebreaker and help kids make friends. So they're out walking their dog and somebody that might not have something to talk to them about otherwise, oh, they start talking to them about the dog and it's kind of an icebreaker thing. So that is another advantage of helping a kid that is maybe a little more lonely. Right. Yeah. All right. You moms, I know you're wanting to hear this. You want to know the downside of having pets. (laughs) (laughs) And they're there. Trust us. (laughs) Uh, They are. So that one that we talked about, you know, it educates them about the cycle of life. But that is a downside, a hard part to go through with a kid. The animals can get sick. And how do you take care of them? And when do you make the decision to put them down or take them for care? Um, The animals can die. Definitely hard stuff to go through with kids. Like I put it on the benefits list because it's definitely a good thing for a kid to go through, like kind of like practice grieving, but it's a hard thing to go through. Um, Kids can lose interest. And then guess who takes care of the pet? Mm -hmm. Uh Mm -hmm. Mom. Yeah. So we're going to talk in just a minute about how to know if your child is ready, really ready for those pet responsibilities so that you don't end up you know, scooping the poop and taking them for the walks and feeding them morning, night. And then another downside is if the pet isn't working out for the family, um, having to rehome them is kind of a, a big issue and a downside if that comes up in your pet experience. Right. Yeah. We've, we've noticed some of the, sim- some similar downsides, um, including messes. So if you think your kids are messy, wait till you get a puppy <laughs> <laughs> that pees everywhere and chews up everything on the floor and, you know, dumps water and food everywhere. It's just, it is another, almost like another human to clean up after. Um, there are additional germs brought into your household you need to be aware of. Uh, like, like Audrey said, mom usually ends up responsible for more than she thinks she's going to be. Um, pets can get lost very easily. I'm talking especially like the traditional pets, like cats and dogs. <laughs> or snakes. Yep. And it's just added stress, right? I mean, if they get lost in your house, that's that's stress on you. But if they get lost out in the street, then it's it's even worse because the pet's life is in danger, you know, so very scary. And then um, they can get injured or sick and require really expensive medical treatments. So just a side note, uh, Last year, we had a cat this happened to. We ended up having to surrender it to a to a shelter because we didn't want to put it down, but it was something we could not afford um, to uh, deal with an injury. My sister has had some really bad luck with her last few pets. They have shelled out thousands and thousands, probably upwards of $10,000 on the last few pets. Yeah, because they've had some serious injuries. And I'm just going, okay, so <laughs> if you want a pet, be aware of what you're going into, right? Especially when you when you look at the bigger pets like cats and dogs. All right. So moving on, let's talk about if um, you have decided that you're going to go ahead and get a pet and how do you know when your child's ready for a responsibility, a pet responsibility? Well, are they showing ability to care for themselves? Like, do they have to be reminded to brush their teeth and drink water and 
eat their vegetables? (laughs) (laughs) Or do they like, do they care and show initiative on taking care of themselves? Um, You know, making their bed. Success in other chores is another good responsibility. Do they, you know, if you send them to do a task, do they do it successfully? Or do they come back and the the job isn't really done and it has to be done over or pointed out or helped out. So do they have success in other chores? And then a big one is a long time desire for a pet. Like if the first week they decide they want a a turtle and you get it for them and then they lose interest uh, two weeks later, (laughs) you know, turtles Uh live a long time. So (laughs) a a long time desire for a pet, like they wanted it for two years. They wanted a cat or a kitten or, you know, whatever. Um, That's a pretty good indicator that they're going to stay. If they have interest enough to want it for a long time, that kind of shows that they're ready to take responsibility to care for it for a long time. Right, right. And I would also say um, you might want to consider pet sitting before jumping into a pet. So um, I had one child who had checked all these boxes, took care of himself, um, had success in his chores, all these things, wanted a pet for years, and he still would not take care of a pet once we got one. And I was very disappointed and frustrated that it all ended up on me because it's a a living creature. You can't just throw it out, you know? Um, and so if we had tried pet sitting, like a long-term pet sitting gig, I think that would have maybe opened his eyes a little bit more to just what was required with getting a big pet, you know, a dog was, was what the pet was. But anyway, so that's a little side note there. Um, and here are a few ideas for what to do if the pet, um, is not working. Now I will say that we're going to talk about the easiest to have pets here in a little bit. Um, and sometimes you can just, kind of talk a child into a slightly easier pet and make it better, you know, easier on the whole family. He can still get the pet owning experience. Um, but honestly, this is something we're still working with because we've had quite a few pet experiences where they just didn't turn out to be what we expected. Um, we had a couple of kittens that were just great and, every, and everyone really did pitch in to take care of them, litter box and messes and all that. Um, and then they ended up being outside cats and I didn't expect that. I kept trying to keep them in, you know, so, so they're, they're living creatures, you're living creatures, just kind of adapting to each other. Sometimes things turn out the way you didn't expect. So we have decided in our family that if mom or dad cannot handle the extra responsibility of a pet, then we don't get one because we have had, like I said, a couple of experiences where a child has sworn up and down that they are ready and they will take care of the pet. And then they bailed and it ended up just being like another child (laughs) on the parent's responsibility. And so, um, yeah, that's a, a, a big warning sign there as if um, the mom and dad can't handle another living thing around the house, it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So if you get into a situation like that and you have a pet and it's not working out, the first thing we recommend doing is um, reaching out to loved ones around you, right? Like um, we had a cat one time that wasn't working out and uh, my husband had a coworker that just loved, love, love cats and was happy to take this little scoundrel that was causing a lot of problems in our household and ended up being a, a really great fit. So rehoming with someone that you know and love and trust is great. Um, you can reach out to um, the community at large, you know, Facebook, Craigslist, places like that. Um, there are often people looking for pets. Um, be aware that most of these places will require that you um, ask for a small rehoming fee. And this is just a good idea anyway, because there are people out there looking for free pets to harm, which is really, really sad. So you always want to ask for a little bit of money to make sure the person actually wants to care for this animal. Um, yeah. You got any other suggestions for that? Audrey? Oh, yeah. You can look into like a shelter. 
um, like an animal shelter. One thing you don't want to do is speaking as a person who lives out in the country is please don't drive out in the country and drop your pets off <laughs> thinking they'll <laughs> buy a family with kids that thinks they'll have a better home. We have had to um, take to the shelter so many cats and puppies that have been dropped off by our place because (laughs) somebody thinks it would be a good home for them. And we've talked to other people who live in the country around us. And it's just a thing. People drive their pets out thinking they'll release them into the woods. And a pet is not domestic animals. Don't know how to Mm -hmm. live in the woods. Please don't do that. No. And and don't do it to us either. We don't need more pets. (laughs) Oh, look, there's a family with a bunch of kids. We'll just drop this dog out there. Okay. A couple other pet related notes is um, if you have a pet, you definitely need to go listen to our episode on parasites because animals <laughs> carry parasites and it just comes with pets. It's not a reason not to get pets. In fact, it's a good idea to learn to live in symbiosis with the pets and do a parasite cleanse every once in a while on your children as well as on your animals. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, moving on to some good and easy pet ideas. Maybe to start with something super easy to see if your kids can handle something a little more intense. So I'm going to do cover some outdoor pet ideas. Um, a cat, so easy, an outdoor cat, really. Like if you're not taking good care of them, they'll just go adopt somebody else. <laughs> and cats, if they're not declawed, they really can live in the wild by themselves. Uh, a rabbit is a good outside pet, um, doesn't require much care. In as fact, long as you don't live in the desert of Phoenix, mm, your rabbit yeah. will die. That's an yeah. indoor pet. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be lovely where Audrey lives. <laughs> yeah. In fact, side note um, for our Patreon supporters, um, this episode, we are giving them a video I took of, um, I took a little tour on the farm this when we were doing chores one morning and showed how um, one of my kids and I that were a couple of my kids and I were doing chores and just talked about what we do and showed the animals and there's some rabbits in there and how we take care of the outdoor rabbits. And so our Patreon followers get a little tour of the Audrey farm. (laughs) All right. Other easy outdoor pets is snake, lizard, frog, reptiles. Those can be kept outside. Um, Insects in a little jar outside. Don't even have to bring them into the house. And a turtle is a really super easy, good outdoor pet. Of course, you know, these animals to be a pet have to be in cages to be a little more domesticated, but (laughs) those are some really, um, probably about as basic, easy outdoor pets as you can get started with. Yeah. I love the idea of starting with an outdoor pet because it keeps the mess and germs out of your house and you can just try a child and see if they're willing to do what it takes to take care of the pet without it even coming into your home, you know, and then maybe upgrade from there. Um, a few, I, Indoor ideas are obviously the cat and dog is pretty ubiquitous. Um, rabbits as well. Although I will say you can't have there. There are uh, desert jackrabbits that we see a lot, but I don't think cool. they're very domesticated. <laughs> they're pretty fun <laughs> to see running across the desert, though. Um, any little rodent like hamsters, guinea pigs, gerbils, mice, even rats. We ha- I have a little niece who's obsessed with rats. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cute that she always has a couple of rats. Um, the same reptiles Audrey mentioned can be put in cages inside. Just beware that anything in a cage inside is very likely to be let out at some point or another. So don't <laughs> get anything that you would hate to have let out in your home. Like I said, the snake was a little uh, stressful, but a spider would have made me move into a hotel. So <laughs> mm, Wow. I'm like the opposite. The spider really? may have been okay, but the snake, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you have your thing. You know what it is. Um, you can even do insects indoors. We uh, raised butterflies once for a um, homeschool unit, which was super fun. Um, and then once they were grown, uh, we just released them into the air. And it was so fun to watch them fly away. And that was a, a fun little short-lived pet experiment or other pretty insects that kids can look at. And obviously birds are a really great um, indoor pet as well. They do make a lot of noise though. Be aware of what kind of bird you get. And you know, there's always cage to clean out. (laughs) All right. Now we're going to move into examples of pets and talk a little bit about our experience with actual specific pets that our kids and family has have had. Um, And more than just a snake. (laughs) So we've always got some sort of cat. Like I was telling Bonnie before we started um, producing this episode, that uh, caveat that all of the animals that we have, we kind of had this requirement that they have to be making a contribution. So I'll be talking about our farm animals here in a minute. But um, we don't really have pets just to have pets at our house. We've got enough things to take care of that just need taking care of. (laughs) So we have had cats. Um. They're, the kids love them and they're like pets, but they are outdoors and they help catch mice. That is their contribution, big contribution on a farm where you've got feed and stuff. Uh, we've had fish. So when we study um, swimming creatures every few years, we grab a fish tank, we fill it up with a bunch of fun fish and um, the kids have that. And it's kind of fun, you know, fish don't really last unless you keep stocking them or you get more than one of the same kind. They don't really reproduce and last for years and years or no, the fish we have had did. Um, we have had finches and little, little birds when we were studying flying creatures. So again, when we were, you know, studying science and bird wings, we could actually look at the bird and stretch out their wing and all that. We've had a dog again, um, an outdoor farm dog, not an in the house dog. His contribution was protecting the animals. (laughs) Um, frogs, Butterflies. We have also raised butterflies uh, for science and let them go. And that was really awesome to watch the whole metamorphosis and everything that whole happens. Whole life cycle. And, yeah. Super yeah. Fun. Yeah. Really, really fun. In fact, my my teenage daughter was really getting into it. And um, we have milkweed around here. So we get the actual monarch butterfly. Oh, um, fun. Yeah. And, and raising those. And she had a couple that she raised. And then we went and watched, um, you know, where they migrate in the winter all the way down to Mexico from where way up where we live. And that's pretty awesome. And then my boys, um, just out of the um, grossness of their boyhood, decided to start <laughs> a stink bug farm. <laughs> And for some reason, we had a couple of years ago, we had ladybugs and I think they captured them and put in a jar and figured out what they eat. And this was in the house, like ladybugs in the house. So they were, you know, raising these ladybugs or whatever they're doing. And so then this past year, somehow we got stink bugs in our house and we had these gross. I don't even know if they have. I mean, I'm sure they have a scientific name or something, but they stink when you squash them. So we just call them stink bugs. And so my boys decided to have a little stink bug terrarium and they filled it up with whatever stink bugs eat. They researched it and it's all just kind of educational and fun and all those other benefits of having pets, too. Yeah, and they get to just the, – the nice thing about having a pet in a cage or a jar or whatever is that there's lots of observation and very little work. So that is a really great option for smaller children, right, is yes, you know, insects or something that they can sit and just watch. And they're so fascinated. Watch them crawl around their jar or their tank or whatever and um, you know learn about their anatomy and what they eat and et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, if you do too much care for you know a cricket or a butterfly or something, they're going <laughs> – to make it. So it is yeah. mostly hands off. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so some of the pets we have had, we've had quite a few cats. Um, they've all ended up being outdoor cats, but uh, we had them indoors for a while. We have a tortoise. This is a kind of a fun story. We actually um, purchased two teeny tiny baby sulcata tortoises. So they're native to Africa, I believe. And when we bought them, they fit in the palm of our hands. So teeny tiny. Oh, um, cute. And then... They are now, well, actually one escaped, sadly, in our old home and we never recovered him. But the one that we still have is massive. I think he weighs like 65 pounds now. And like, he's like the circumference of my arms. If I were to like, you know, wrap my arms around in front of me and touch my fingers, he's maybe a little bit bigger than that. He's huge. Is he still in your house? Yeah. Well, no, he's in our yard. He's they've always been in our yard. We kept when they were teeny tiny, they were in a little, um, you know, box in our home, but Mm -hmm. yeah, he just roams around the yard. The only downside is they do burrow. So he's got a little hole that he burrows, but our yard is big (laughs) enough now that we, it doesn't bother us. You know, so he just burrows under a bush and stays there. He's kind of in hibernation right now because it's really hot, but whenever it rains or we get irrigation, he'll come out and just plod through the water. And these things last until they're like over a hundred. So we're going to have to like will him to one of our children. Wow. But they, they are so fun, fun, fun to watch and very, very easy pets. So that's a really fun option. Huge tortoise. Um, we have chickens now, which are eh, sort of pets, sort of not. We love getting <laughs> eggs from them. And then um, we've had the butterflies, like I mentioned, a couple of snakes and a guinea pig that was unfortunately ill-fated. I think he was ill when we got him and he died just a few days after getting Aww. him, which was a very sad thing to deal with. But, um, you know, one of those benefits also of teaching children the life cycle and, and how we grieve. Wasn't there also a potbelly pig when you first moved into your house where you are now? Yes, actually the the owners had had this massive potbelly pig just as a pet. And they said, "Oh, we're happy to leave him if you want him." We're like, "Mmm, pass." <laughs> <laughs> We, a couple of friends suggested uh, butchering him, but I think he was too old to have been much good. He was just kind of plodding around. So they found a, a little pig sanctuary and he went off to play with some other pigs. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. To see. He was big though. I was honestly a little bit afraid for my babies because he could have like eaten one. He was huge. <laughs> <laughs> and pigs are one of two animals that will eat their owners. You know that? Yeah. What's the other one? Cat. Goats? <gasps> Cats. Cat will? That's mm-hmm. disgusting. No loyalty. No loyalty. <laughs> yes, I do remember watching a movie once where a body was fed to pigs and they eat the whole thing. I'm like, mm. oh, that's gross. <laughs> mm, that's gross. <laughs> uh, all right. So speaking of pigs, moving on to farm animals. So we do have um, a little hobby farm. We call it Hobby Farm because it's three acres. But we do, as I've talked about in the past, raise the majority of our food on this um little three acres that we have here. And so our rule is that the animals have to make a contribution. So we have, have, I'm going to talk about the animals we have and have had in the past and just kind of mix them all together. But um, if you want to see which ones we have right now, like today, you can go support us on Patreon because we're doing the chores on there. (laughs) All right. So we have a dairy cow and we've had dairy goats in the past for milk. And there is just nothing quite as amazing as starting your day by milking an animal. That's just like, I don't know, throwing it back to the 1800s or something, but I'm there. I'm there for it. (laughs) Uh, Sadly, we don't have dairy goats right now, and I'm not going to go into that story. (laughs) So um, (laughs) we have chickens and we raise them both for eggs and for meat. And um, we have rabbits that we raise for meat. And we keep both our rabbits and chickens in a real... um, well, you've heard of chicken tractors, right? Where they move them around and the chickens get fresh 
pasture every day and or the oh, rabbits okay. get fresh pasture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually show how we do that in, in our little video that we made. We have cats to keep the mice down. We have a dog. We have had a dog to protect them all. Um, we have also had geese, ducks, guinea fowls, uh, pigs, sheep, turkeys, you name it. We've raised it around here on the farm. <laughs> so um, our kids are also very acquainted with the concept of um, butchering. They know how to butcher their own meat. If they were dropped out of a helicopter somewhere in the wild, they could survive. <laughs> That's really cool. That's really <laughs> no. cool. Yeah. So we, you know, like to ease them into it, this concept of, of you know, raising your own meat. Um, like, for example, we don't just have one rabbit or one set of rabbits. We have rabbits that we stagger several different cages. And so when it's time to butcher some rabbits, there's always another cage of rabbits with little cute babies that they can cuddle and they're not quite, you know, into the meat mm-hmm. phase yet. And so the kids are like, oh yeah, go ahead and butcher those. We've got these cute ones to play with. <laughs> Softens the, you know, the concept a little bit, but they're also <laughs> being raised with, I don't know, there's just, there's this concept out there of um, humane, I, I don't know the exact term for it. It's the humane raising and butchering of your own food. Like they say that in a lot of the meat that you can purchase at the grocery store. There's a lot of hormones in it that are, um, the animal releases right kind of in the traumatic death time. So there's this like gentle cycle of, um, killing and butchering that we can get to do and kind of avoid a lot of those alarm hormones that are in other meat that you can buy. And yeah, we've just found it to be like one of the most rewarding things that we've done is raising our own food and our kids knowing where their food comes from and how to do all that and to just keep the process going. It's, it's just like a really grounding thing for our family. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I love that you guys have figured out um, how to be so sustainable and how to, uh, you know, provide so much for your family. And I think that, you know, everyone has different uh, concepts and ideas of how, you know, the the role animals play in their life. But unless you're a pretty strict vegan, there's going to be some sort of consumption of animal product. And uh, I love getting as close to the, the production as possible. So you can oversee that and know where your food is coming from. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like, I don't think we would be af- able to afford to feed our family if we bought all organic and naturally raised and humanely killed oh, yeah, sustainable. Definitely we definitely mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to afford that. But by raising it our own, we can on our own, we can um, definitely have a higher quality. We, we say all the time that we eat way better than like farm people eat way better than most other people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Even just having the chickens, because that's all we can can commit to right now as far as, as far as food goes, but it has been fascinating watching our kids learn about the life cycle, learn everything there is to know about eggs. There was quite a bit that I didn't know myself as well. Um, and they teach their neighbors, like we'll take eggs over and they'll say, it's okay to leave them on the counter and this is how it works and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And then, um, and then even my little ones have learned that when we eat chicken, yes, it's actually the animal it comes from. And it's a little alarming at first. And then we tell them what happens and, and, uh, (laughs) they just learn more about, um, you know, where their food comes from, which I think is always really, really healthy. And then we know uh, we, that the quality of eggs we have is just extremely high quality, which makes me really happy because they taste way better. Yes, definitely. And they're, yeah, they're so full of nutrients. You can tell if you do a store-bought egg next to a homegrown egg, they're definitely yes, different, totally even the done color. Mm-hmm. Yep. Different color, different quality for sure. Yeah. Just a few final thoughts as we wrap up. 
animals are wonderful. They really do enrich our lives in so many different ways. Um, and it's really up to you as a parent to decide how you want to incorporate them in your own life. Um, we just hope that it, this episode has helped you realize that it is a lot of work if it's going to be a pet just for fun. Um, it needs to make you need to make sure that a child is involved in the care if you are not willing to do all of it. Some parents are awesome at this, at, at having pets and children and keeping everybody alive and cleaning up all the messes. And my hat goes off to you. Um, but I think sometimes when you're looking into a pet, the full picture isn't always there. And so hopefully we've pulled back the curtain a little bit and you can come up with a compromise with your kids to find something awesome that will enrich your lives and not cause too much additional stress. Oh, yes, absolutely. I 100% agree. If it's going to be the scenario that we talked about, the downside where the kids lose interest and you end up doing it all, it's definitely not worth it. Like the benefits don't outweigh if you're doing it all and you're having resentment about it. Like, you know, I talk about all the animals that we raise here on our little farm and it's because our whole family does it, that it works. It wouldn't work if it was just mom or just dad or just one or, one or even two of the kids doing it. It definitely wouldn't work. It's, it's sustainable because we're all doing it. And that's like a requirement that we have for our kids. And, and they don't like, I think they must see the benefits too, because they don't really resist us on it. <laughs> So yeah, I definitely feel like there have been periods in my life where having a pet or farm animals, what we're doing now, definitely wouldn't have been capable when I had a whole bunch of little kids. In fact, I have to kind of relate it to, I have just recently got back into having houseplants um, because there mm -hmm. were a lot of points in my life before this where just the extra step of caring for another living thing, keeping another living thing alive just wasn't an option. <laughs> and I've always loved plants, but I haven't always been able to have house plants. Um, just been an extra thing. And now I'm finally to the point where um, our family's, you know, shaken out, situated enough that I get to have house plants again. And it's awesome, but it's totally not a requirement, even though I feel like there's a lot of benefits of having house plants. So just using that little example to show that the same thing can apply to animals just because there's so many benefits of having them doesn't mean it's something you have to do. If you're overwhelmed, skip it. Go listen to our episode on overwhelm. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I love that you mentioned plants because I recently thought the same thing. I have a sister-in-law who always has a gorgeous assortment of flowers all over her yard, um, but here they need to be hand-watered every day. Mm. And I'm like, I, it, 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 that is completely beyond my ability. And then all of a sudden I was like, it could be a chore. <gasps> I'm going to plant all the flowers because now I'm going to put, I mean, not that my kids do their chores every single day the way they're supposed to, but at least four times a week. And I think that would keep some flowers alive. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do and bring some houseplants into my life as well. I, yeah, keeping living things alive is tough and, and the kids are the priority, but if you can make it happen, pets are a fun option. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week.